Good evening, everyone, and welcome to this special BAFTA event as part of Pride Month. I am Alex Kajelski. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of The Athletic, and I am going to be chairing a discussion tonight about Jamie Johnson tackling issues head on. Thank you so much for joining us. So here we are, Jamie Johnson. What an incredible, incredible few episodes as we saw Dylan come to terms or start to come to terms certainly with his sexuality and being gay and coming out and you know that at a time especially in the background of of him being an aspiring footballer and how difficult that was for him I think in a world where we don't have openly gay footballers in this country in a world where a lot of gay people actually feel quite uncomfortable going to football grounds. Um, not that anyone's allowed to football grounds at the moment, um, unfortunately. Um, and what that means, you know, for people everywhere, all different ages who are sort of coming to terms with who they are, trying to speak to their families about it, trying to speak to their friends about it. And yeah, I mean, really moving, really powerful, um, fantastic drama. And yeah, we, we're, we're gonna talk to like some of the absolute key people in all that this evening and try and explain why it's so important and what um, effect it's had and will continue to have. So I'll stop prattling on because you're probably bored of hearing me already because there's far more interesting people to hear from. And I'm gonna introduce the panel tonight. So we have Sean Duggan, who is the lead writer on Jamie Johnson. He has been BAFTA nominated, no less, alongside Jimmy, Jimmy McGovern for The Accused. And he's also, famous for writing The Lesbian Kiss in Brookside. I'm actually old enough to remember that. Next, we have actors Laquan Lewis and Patrick Ward, who played Elliot and Dylan in the series. I'm sure you've seen their very, very moving scenes as their friendship developed in recent episodes. So hello to you two. We have Cheryl Taylor, Cheryl is the head of content of BBC Children and she's commissioned, obviously, Jamie Johnson. She commissions all the CBBS and CBBC content. That's quite hard to say, actually, when you say it quickly, um, for television and for online. And finally, for now, um, we have Hugo Schechter, who is the head of player care at West Ham United. So that's the main panel for the start of the, for the, start of the evening. And then later, we've got an extra treat because we're going to be joined by executive producer Anita Burgess, who produces Jamie Johnson for CBBC. So lots of people with lots of things to say. And yeah, well, we should get started, shouldn't we? Um, so I'm going to talk to Sean first, because Sean, I think you're probably the best person to answer this first question. So Jamie Johnson, it's obviously been a huge success, right? We're into what, series five now? Um, great ratings, lots of interest telling really, really important stories that kind of reflect sort of the lives of children and teenagers. Why do you think the show has been so popular and, and, and why does it engage this audience so well? I think, you know, for what you've just said, and right from the outset, we just wanted to tell a show that felt, you know, very real, um, that reflected the lives of our, you know, young audience and, um, you know, and not patronise them or condescend or, or, you know, talk down to them. Uh, you know, I think for me, as you said, my 
background has always been in adult, grown-up um, television, you know, working on soap operas, Brookside, EastEnders, other stuff. And this was really the first big show I'd ever worked on in uh, children's drama. And I have to say, in writing it, I didn't ever approach her any differently. I approached it in exactly the same way if I would, you know, an adult drama. I mean, obviously, there are things you have to be careful of in terms of language and everything. But, you know, in terms of thinking about challenging stories, thinking about, you know, what reflects the young audience's lives, what, you know, what's important to them. And, you know, and if I can just say, in terms of, I'm sure we'll talk more later about how the whole Dylan story came about. But, you know, if I could just say from a personal experience that, you know, when I was younger, I could identify with this show because, you know, I was football mad. I was from a working class background, huge Everton fan, you know, Everton was my first love. I remember my dad carrying me in over the turnstiles in the old days and, you know, slipping the man some cash and all that palaver. And all I ever wanted to do was play football. Uh, in the street and you know and that's what I was obsessed with going to every Everton game that I could and then I suddenly got to about 11 and things changed because suddenly all the people I played football with didn't particularly want to be my friend anymore people started saying I was gay and queer and all these things at a time in the 80s I didn't even know what these words meant I'd never heard about them they hadn't been talked about in my family I just knew it was something very bad and you know something to be ashamed of. And then things just got worse and worse. And, you know, so to the point where I wasn't welcome to play football anymore, you know, people turned their backs on me. And then all through, you know, senior school, for me personally, it was just, I had a hellish experience. Um, you know, I left school without any qualifications. I'm not just talking verbal bullying, but, you know, uh, you know, I'm talking getting beaten up most days. So school just became about survival. And it was a time when you couldn't tell anybody. I couldn't turn to the teachers because they wouldn't have understood. You weren't even allowed to talk about gay issues. I couldn't go home and tell my, my own family, you know, because I, they were homophobic. Not, I don't mean they were homophobic in a bad way, but just through sheer ignorance. We didn't know any gay people. So there was always that fear you'd be rejected. And to be honest, it wasn't until I was an adult I actually opened up to people about the experiences I'd had as a kid. So all I can say is I know absolutely firsthand how isolating and lonely, you know, that is to be a young gay person. And I know things have changed to a degree, but still in terms of education, these things aren't talked about enough, in, you know, within school. So I, I just to get this opportunity to tell a story like this in children's drama, and I just had to say you know, a massive thank you to Cheryl and everyone at CBBC, you know, we might come in with the idea for these stories, but if they don't support it and go along with it, then, you know, it, it wouldn't happen. And, you know, I have to say I found it very emotional seeing these stories um, going out on screen last week. And not only that, but everything around it, the support on, um, you know, news round, the presenters after the show, how they talk to the audience, you know, how it is OK to be yourself and every, You know, it just made me very proud to be a part of it and you know how far we've come are you, are you hoping then sean that by producing a show like this that it plays a, a role albeit a small role in helping the next generation of kids who are growing up teenagers who are coming to terms with who they are yeah that, 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 that they won't have to go through what you've gone through absolutely and it's that old cliche really but when uh, people say you know 
if if we through telling this story we can help just one person you know not to feel let them know they're not on their own then it's really worth doing i mean you mentioned at the intro that you know i did the brookside lesbian kiss which is almost 30 years ago now but even now to this day you know people who are in their 50s or whatever will approach me and you know when i meet them and tell me and often people have a very isolated you know uh communities with very traditional family and the impact that had just seeing that storyline on screen in making them feel you know less alone and you know less alone and that's just so powerful and Cheryl, does the BBC have a, a role to play here in that sense, in the try, trying to reassure people like this programme does and let them know that they're not alone? How, how important is it when you're choosing which programmes to put on air, does that, that that comes into play? Um, thanks, Alex. Um, it's really important to us. Um, obviously, as a public service broadcaster, um, you know, we're, we're there to inform and entertain. And I think that we want the children who are watching our shows to both feel good about themselves and feel informed. I think it's really key. It sets us apart from, you know, perhaps other broadcasters. Um, and just listening to Sean there, you know, such a, a powerful... Um, story that he's told not just actually on Jamie Johnson but to us here this evening because I think you know I don't quite know how old Sean is actually but he looks much younger than someone who wrote Brookside 30 years ago I have to be well, fair you, um, um, but certainly when I was you know the age of Patrick and Laquan for example there was nothing like this on telly so if that was the experience I was going through I wouldn't have had any role models or there wouldn't have been anything there and I think it's so fantastic now that people are able to write these important stories and, and and of course we very much want to reflect them i have i have to also point out though that it takes a special kind of writer and special performers i think to achieve what jamie johnson has achieved um, and the whole production team as well um, a lot of people are talking about authenticity at the moment and you know to hear Sean talk about that story and, and the way that he's woven that into a, a football series that, you know, now is very well established. I mean, Jamie Johnson's been around, you know, um, for a long time. And to artfully weave that story in so that, in a sense, I don't, I don't think any of the, the, the fans or the viewers um, would have felt that, in a sense, they were being preached at or lectured. That's what I think is amazing. I think, you know, Patrick's taken us through Dylan's journey really beautifully in the way Sean, as I say, has has given us that story of, of a coming of age story, someone who's finding his identity. Um, and that's something that all kids that will be going through, they'll all be looking, um, you know, for signals and for help, because um, it's hard being a kid and hard growing up. So, you know, absolutely, I think the BBC is the platform for this type of story, but but fair play to all these guys. They, they told it beautifully and it will have resonated so well, I mean, I was just seeing the, the comments on some of the comments on Patrick and Laquan's Insta, you know, and already there's people kind of saying this is amazing and it's great to see this happening. And people from my department have written to me this week saying, God, what an amazing episode of Jamie Johnson. It's so important, such a valuable, such a valuable series. So, you know, I'm grateful to Sean and all the team at Jamie Johnson for, for telling that story so beautifully. Sean, how do you how do you write for 
a teenage and child audience? How do you get inside the heads of, of you know, teenagers or you know, people around that age and work out and make it relevant to them? Because, you know, as, as has now been mentioned, you know, twice in this uh, call already, you know, you are not a teenager anymore. <laughs> no, and I thank Cheryl for her comments, but I'm, I'm a lot older than uh, she probably may realise. But, um, yeah, but, you know, the thing is, I've got, I've got um, lots of nieces, nephews. Well, firstly, we've all been te teenagers ourselves, <laughs> you know, so I have, I have been there. I know what it's like to have been a teenager. Um, but as I say, I've got nieces, nephews. I've got so many of my uh, friends' children absolutely love uh, Jamie Johnson. And, you know, in, in the past, for example, I've tried to incorporate stories, that, you know, that are being relevant to... You know, we had Dylan being diabetic in an earlier series and that kind of came about because, you know, my friend's daughter, you know, was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and, it, you know, and obviously that's where the idea came from. So you draw from all of those experiences. So, Patrick, do you remember the day that they came to you with the idea of this storyline and, you know, how, how did that feel? And it's quite a responsibility, I guess. Sure, I do remember the day actually. Um, before every every series, we I'd meet with um with short form and, and Anita and kind of talk about uh, the next year. And this idea was brought forward. And to be honest, what whilst a lot of people may sort of see it as being a surprise, when you look back over Dylan's journey, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I, as the actor playing Dylan, it felt really organic and like a really special thing to do and something that's that's needed and it, and it for society as well and yeah definitely I, th I think that's that's really important as well you know like I've got br younger brother and sisters that watch the show and they've been fans since the start and you know to see their response and, and other young people has just been brilliant. And how, how many barriers do you think there are are to break down for example and obviously this hopefully makes a lot of people feel a lot more comfortable and a lot better about themselves but realistically, like for example, when you went and told your friends about this sort of twist in in Dylan's character, like, were you nervous about the response you get? Has that all been positive? Well, I, I suppose you are nervous, mostly because, well, for me, especially with the negative feedback, it's it's more kind of Sean, Sean was talking about earlier, actually. I think before this, it, it shows that it's important that we're doing this storyline. You know, I, I think that's when you see negative feedback which, you know, it's not a lot of it, to be fair. It's mostly positive. Um, I think that, that shows how important it is. And often more people around me responded really well to it, you know, very supportive family, forward forward thinking as well. So very tolerant. You know, I, 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 was, I was very proud to be doing it. And um, I didn't really mind what anybody else had to say that was negative about it because I, I, I felt like it's so important and it's such an honour to be a part of. So, um, yeah. And Laquan, how, how did you find that and do you do you, do you think that Jamie Johnson sort of is a, a unique way of telling a story like this yeah I think it's definitely unique in terms of the way it's told the story because you know any show can you know kind of educate people on coming out and finding your own sexuality but Jamie Johnson have done this through an industry which is you know it seemed to be taboo to to be gay in football especially and and they've tackled this on one of the main characters and they followed you followed the journey of you know his homophobic past with himself his younger brother and his dad and you know he was only 
showing that homophobia because that's what he was used to around his his family and and his maybe his football team, you know. Um, so the fact that he's had to hold it in for so long and just hide who he is because of his passion for football, you know, Jamie Johnson have told an amazing story and done an amazing job of getting it across that you can be who you want to be no matter what your dreams are. And I think it's, it's great that it wasn't playing into people's stereotypes as well. I think some people like to think they know what a gay person looks like or walks like or talks like, right? And and Dylan, Dylan didn't maybe fit, you know, what people's stereotypes are like, you know, or, you know I, I mean, Hugo, uh, I don't know if you had the same thing on Sean, but, you know, I, I know when I came out, a lot of people at the time were like, oh, we didn't see that coming necessarily. Um, which is fine, except you kind of wish they had known it was coming because then it's less of a surprise. Um, but I think, I, th I think the fact that Dylan was was not what some people would expect probably is a really great thing for the audience because it makes them stop and think about their own assumptions and prejudices. Hopefully, I think uh, if you don't mind jumping in, but just that. Uh, um, I think it was makes the story more challenging. But the fact that, you know, Dylan's always been our alpha male. He used to be Jamie Johnson's bully. You know, he's been this thorn in Jamie's uh, side all along. So the, the audience had these sort of very, ex, you know, these expectations of, of Dylan that, you know, someone like him wouldn't be gay. And, you know, so therefore, obviously, that does just make it a lot more challenging. Yeah, abs absolutely. And... Were you, Patrick, Laquan, did you get involved in the storyline at all? Did you sit down and make suggestions or were you very good boys and did what you were told? Well, I mean, we, we, we rehearsed beforehand, which was, which was really good. Um, actually, in, in, this, in this house, in the next room, um, Laquan came with, um, with Ian, Ian Smith, who, uh, who we both have known for quite a long time, I suppose, now, and uh, spoke about, you know, the acting side of it and rehearsed this kind of thing. I think that's very important as well. Definitely. Yeah. He made us do like games where we had to get to know each other really well first before we could shoot the scene so that, you know, the story we were telling was really truthful. And he made us do this one task where we just stood there looking at each other and we just, we couldn't smile, we couldn't do anything, we just had to keep staring. And then there was one where we had to keep pushing each other and pushing each other and like, you had to, like he just did so many games in order to get us onto a level where our relationship outside of acting could really like grow for our onset acting and I think that helped a lot. Who's on first? Yeah I was gonna say I just think it's interesting because um if you if you look at sort of Dylan when he first meets Elliot it's very much it, it's kind of like when he when he first sees him it feels like there's something that goes on inside of his brain. He doesn't quite understand what it is. But you know it's something and it's very new and it happens very quickly. So I think it was important that you know me and Laquan were able to understand each other as, as, uh, as people and as actors beforehand, definitely. Absolutely. And, and we've, we've touched on this a little, Cheryl, but outside of this show, generally, do, do you feel that the BBC has a responsibility to put forward stories that, that represent underrepresented parts of audiences? Yes, I mean, I was just thinking actually there when um, when Sean was talking about Patrick also having diabetes, um, just using Jamie Johnson as an as example, and this is you know just one of many many dramas as you know that we do. Um, the different storylines that 
that have been embedded in what I think people probably judge as mainly a football drama. You know, we've covered obviously Jamie's family is a fragmented family. We've had kids who are looking after sick parents, so young carers. We've had the homophobia, um, we've had bullying. So across the piece, just in that one series, you've got a set of writers and producers and commissioners who are intent, in a sense, on broadening the scope of the narrative to be as inclusive and as relevant to as many kids as possible. Someone was talking just before about the fact that we know a lot of girls watch Jamie Johnson as well. So across the piece, you know, it's really important that all of our brands have a, have a broad appeal. And I think, you know, I know I sound like I'm heaping praise on all these wonderful creators, but it's because I genuinely think they deserve it. Just in this one drama, and it's the same, you know, across the dumping ground, you know, the four o'clock club, Hetty Feather, you know, Secret Life of Boys. So all of these shows, on the surface, you can say, this is a comedy, this is a drama about this. But underneath all that, every episode is addressing, I think, a lot of really, really important issues that, as I say, going back to what we were saying at the beginning, reflect as many of our audience lives as possible and give them tools to, you know, and strategies to manage their own lives. And uh, I do think it's a skill and it's a specialist skill. Um, and I don't think anyone watching the show would, would argue that they've done it incredibly well. And it is, yeah, it's very important. And that's it, isn't it? We, we can talk about sport and football and LGBT relationships within that in a minute. But, but, but Jamie Johnson, this storyline, okay, it is a show that is about football largely, but it's the storyline is not about football, is it? I mean, you, you could be any young person or, you know, older person who hasn't had the courage to um, come out or the opportunity to come out and see that and hopefully be comforted and inspired by it. This is not, this is this is not about football, right? This is Sean. Yeah. This is this is this. Or either of you. This is uh, this, this is a show to sort of reach out to a much much wider audience. Yeah, it's a, as I say, it's it's about you know identity, rites of passage, coming of age, and I think the journey that Dylan goes on, especially that extraordinary scene with his dad. You know, for any kid, you know, who's thinking about kind of a difficult conversation that they might want to have. Um, you know, that that would have been key. That would have been a crucial. And, and, and the fact that, you know, then he goes to speak to Jamie, he reaches out to his friends, he gets advice. And, and I think that's where the beauty of that, of, of having, you know, Elliot there, who has gone through this before, who has to some degree come to terms with his identity, works so brilliantly. And I think that will have given a, a, a lot of information, a lot of hope, um, a lot of really useful takeout um, for for kids who are watching and feeling uncertain about their own identity. And I think that was actually, if you don't mind jumping in again, but um, really important because we'd established in the story that uh, Dylan's you know, family were quite homophobic. We'd ran a whole homophobia story uh, last season where his little brother was kicked out of the club uh, you know, for making homophobic comments about Ruby and Al Alba's uh, foster parents. Um, so, so yes, yeah, so you know, we'd had time to establish all of that, but then it felt very important that when we brought in Elliot's character, that he was coming from a very different place. You know, he was very comfortable in who he was. You know, he, you know, he says on screen that he'd always been brought up with gay people, so they'd had sort of very, very different experiences, but you know, could learn from each other's experiences. But also for parents too, right? I mean, the. This is not an easy conversation and it's not always an expected conversation for parents as well. 
and I, I, you know, I think it's probably very hard to know sometimes how to react and how not to react. And everyone can say that they want to be understanding with their children, but I'm sure there's lots of parents who get very shocked and surprised and they don't react in the most helpful of ways. And hopefully that scene in particular um, with Dylan and his dad is maybe a, a really sort of good thing to pin up on the wall for a lot of parents who see that and go, right, whatever you do, don't do that. Because yeah. <laughs> that's, that's that stuff's tough. And, and again, in terms of, you know, that was a, such a, you know, a powerful scene and very difficult to watch. and all the actors uh, played is so brilliant. But, you know, you've got to remember there's still quite a bit of this series to go, you know. So, although Dylan's dad reacted very badly, he's going to have his own journey to go on, you know, through the rest of the series. Yeah. Right, Hugo, you sat there patiently, calmly, and lots of good nodding in the right places. Um, so now you get to talk. Right, you, Hugo works in player care for West Ham, so he is just to give a bit of context to people. He is in the dressing room with players. He's helping them out. He, know, he used to work at Southampton, so he's worked at various football clubs. He understands football. Um, he's a gay man in football. A, what did you think watching this? And do you, do you think football is a sort of very different place from other parts of society? I mean, first of all, it struck me how powerful it was, um, the storyline. And it was actually more jarring than I expected it to be from a kid's TV show because, you know, I'm not something that someone who has watched Jamie Johnson on a regular basis before, which I don't know if I'm really supposed to say that, but um, this was my first sort of interaction with the show. And I was expecting sort of having watched cartoons with my two-year-old nephew, that kind of I wasn't really sure what to expect. And I was watching that and I was like, wow, this is really hard hitting. And I actually was left quite jarred by the whole, you know, um, Dylan and his father scene. Um, so, you know, I, I think it was was absolutely fantastic to, to highlight that. Um, in terms of football, I mean, I think it's it's a different environment in a lot of ways, but but negative and positive. And I think a lot of people assume football is this horrible um you know macho alpha male environment but actually you know we have a premier league changing room is one of the most diverse you know groups of, of people you could meet you've got you know we've got on the team for example a guy from the republic of congo who's friends with a scottish guy who's friends with a paraguayan guy um and you know you probably don't see that in in sort of society on, on a general basis but I think seeing the the role models that come out, whether it's you know Marcus Rashford through this, through this um, through the lockdown, um, or people more more in general, I think Robbie Rogers, you know when he came out and, and went to, to LA Galaxy was, was absolutely huge, but even even allies and I think people like Hector Bellerin who have spoken very openly and very eloquently about the importance of the Rainbow Laces campaign or you know the importance of of openly gay players or, or role models I think it's really important but for me I was in the closet and then I came out um, I guess it was was two or three years into my time at Southampton and my job is to look after all the players their families all the team operations and that kind of stuff and I realized that I was trying to get the players to trust me without really sharing all of myself and once I did the relationship was so much closer and even today at lunch um, I had a player ask me you know, about my coming out and how I realized and all this kind of stuff. And he was talking about how he would react if his kids came out. And actually, 
that's a conversation that you wouldn't expect to be in a Premier League changing room or Premier League club. And actually the amount of discussions we've had about LGBT issues or trans issues or other things that I can't say I'm any great expert on, but I'm kind of the closest re resource, I think is, is hugely um, encouraging. And actually it means that they are inquisitive people. Um, and I think they get a bad rap that the players on the whole and I'm 100% sure that anyone who came out would be fully accepted in the change room because players want you to be a good person and a good player. And if you can help us, in our case, probably stay in the league or, you know, in other teams' cases, you know, maybe be higher up in the league, you know, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter who you are, you know, what you do in your free time, you know, what, what religion you are, what sexual orientation you are, any of that. It doesn't matter as long as you're a good person and a good player. So, um I think football probably gets a worse rap than it probably deserves at times. Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting to hear you say that. I would counter it just to be that awkward person of saying going to football is the only place in the country that I wouldn't hold my husband's hand in public, mm -hmm. right? And there's one thing to be in, the, in, it's one thing to sort of know what it's like in the dressing room and that's really, really fascinating. It's another thing to walk into a football stadium and the atmosphere and the words that you hear there, right? Whether that's racist stuff, homophobic stuff. You yeah. know, football, football as a sport has a long, long way to go. Sport has a long way to go. Um, there are no out male tennis players. You know, cricket's not in a great place. Rugby's not in a great place. It's not a, it's not a necessarily just a football problem. Mm. But I mean, you, you say it in the, you know, it was Dylan's line in the episode, you know, there's no out, I think, I don't know whether it's Premier League or out, no out footballers in this country you know, how, how can I sort of come out and be successful? And that's, you know, that's the crux of that is quite a big part of the episodes, isn't it? And it's a really, really complex question because the worst thing that can happen is people endlessly talking about that and creating a kind of witch hunt of, we need gay footballers, who's the gay footballers? It's not a very helpful narrative. The best thing I think is to create a more welcoming environment so that eventually people feel comfortable and that might take another generation's time. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think, but we, we do have gay footballers. We're, you know, our, our women's team, especially, yeah. you know, there's a lot of great role models in the women's game. And uh, West Ham was a part of the first couple playing against each other in the Women's yeah. Super League this year, which is a really cool story, I thought. Um, but you know what? I think, yeah, I mean, I, I can talk to my experience in the changing room. Um, I, I, I to be honest, I go to every single game we play and I, I don't hear that, the, the negativity. Um, you know, I think... There's a lot of discussion in football around this sort of idea of banter. And I think from an outsider's point of view, especially in the change room, it can be seen as something that's really negative. But actually, the way I felt is that if the players didn't joke about anything, whether it's my sexuality or whatever else, um, my terrible hair, my weight, whatever it is, you know, that means that they accept me. And if they wouldn't, would like, oh, don't talk about, don't talk about gay stuff, you know, like, then I would feel like they did, don't accept me. And so I've actually had players saying, you know, can I make a gay joke to you? And I said, as long as you make it to my face, prepare for me to come back at you, you know? And I think that's maybe a little bit of the difference um, with a football environment where, you know, in, in other industries, it wouldn't be acceptable. But at the end of the day, we're, we're all focused on doing one thing, which is winning matches. And we've got a match tomorrow. We're all focused on that. And we're not worried about what anyone else is doing around that we want to make sure that everyone's doing the best job they can to try and beat Chelsea tomorrow night 
um, or, or even get a point probably at this point. Um, but it's 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 really important that we all work together for that for that one one goal and one aim. Just a quick. Um... Not warning as such, I don't know, advisory that will probably start the questions in a few minutes. So I can see there's already a few in there. But if you want to ask any of these lovely, almost interesting people questions, then uh, make sure you get them in so we can uh, make you all as happy as possible. Um, what's what's uh, what's acting like in comparison, Laquan, Patrick? Like is, do you feel that is a really welcoming sort of environment for people to be themselves? Um. Well, I, I feel like it, um, yeah, it is, but there's like, you know, there's a load of discrimination going on in the acting industry as well. Like, it's not just football, um, but I feel like, especially with typecasting, that is very hard in the industry because if you act or look a certain way, um, then it's most likely that you're going to get put for this same character over and over again. And, you know, it's good to, just play something different to yourself and be able to get that opportunity. But it's, you know, it's getting better in the industry. But um, like I said, I'm happy to play whatever, especially this role right here, because I'm helping so many people. So I'm, I'm thank you. Yeah. Have, have you both had people get in touch with you to say that it's helped? You do this one, Pat. I have. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Definitely. Um, it's been mostly positive and that's been the best thing about this for me. It's been, um, it's been seeing people, you know, direct message saying, oh, this has really helped me come to terms with this or this has helped me speak about this. And that's all, that's all we were trying to achieve, I think, as well. And, and, and I'm just so proud watching, watching the episode because I thought everybody did such a good job and um, brilliant writing. It's just been fantastic. And to see people have responded in a good way. I know there has been negativity, but the fact that some people have, a lot of people have taken some positive from it is just an honour. Absolutely. Well, one, one person who is in a great position to sort of explain a little bit more about the reception that this storyline has got um, is Anita. So Anita Burgess, for those of you who weren't here at the beginning of the conversation, Anita is well. Anita, hello Anita, good evening, nice to see you. Hello, nice to see you too. Um, Anita is the executive producer for this show and I, I just, I mean it must be absolutely fantastic the reception that you've had. I'd, I'd love to hear it from your, your perspective, how you've found it really. Yeah, it, yeah, it has been amazing. Actually, I'm I'm known as somebody who cries a lot, and um, and and the reception has really made me uh, cry a lot, even for me, because um, it's been overwhelming. I think, as Patrick was saying, kind of largely positive. I mean, almost entirely positive. The one percent kind of that have their other views, then you know that is there and that has to be acknowledged. But I found that. I think as has already been said, the most moving ones are the personal ones where people have said that they feel that for the first time there's something on screen that they can recognize themselves in and it's helped them and um, and all the kind of compliments about how the story's been handled. I think as Sean said earlier, us, us not talking down to people, that sense of what we're trying to do is to empower and uh, and educate and get the get the word out there um, 
to to help people who are already in this in this position. But it, how, yeah. do, how do you not talk down to people? What are the things that you do to make sure that it doesn't come across as patronising? What are the things as a, a producer that is there in your head thinking, don't do this? <laughs> Well, I think, I mean, we are very mindful of the uh, the audience and the age that they are. So you do have to be very kind of mindful to um, explain things and make it clear um, to not, um, what, what, you're, what you're trying to do is, is, is use language that they would understand, but, but not, um, but not treat, treat them kind of um, too young. Um, so, so language is an important thing. I think the kind of the, the simplicity of the story, um, it coming from um, truth. So it comes from Sean's own experiences, um, making sure that our research into the whole thing is, is as thorough as is possible so that we are representing the, the truth as much as we can. So I think, I think it's about that. So the don't talk down is, is just be honest and clear as best we can. That's brilliant. I think it's time that we put you all to the, the sharks and answered some questions, really. Um, and there's quite a few of them you'll be delighted to hear. Um, I'm going to try and do something where I think if I press a button, they might come up on the screen. So I'm going to apologise in advance for getting that wrong. Um, and, I'll, and I'll read them. And uh, hopefully someone will tell me if I'm doing, a, doing this completely wrong. Right. Um, so... The Dylan storyline has been gripping, someone says. Beautifully written, amazingly active. See, lots of compliments here tonight. What on your, are your thoughts, I think this is best directed at you, Cheryl, of CBBC producing a series aimed at even younger audiences where being LGBTQ plus is the central premise of the show? Like is, can you sort of, not target, but can you sort of get this message across to an even younger audience? Um, thank you for the question. Um, <clears throat> I think, as I was saying earlier, um, I mean, obviously, we're children's, you know, but CBBC is our preschool channel, CBBC is, you know, six to 12. Um, and so, to some degree, we're limited about the type of lens we can put on sexuality, obviously. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, a, a lot, a lot around, you know, your identity, um, is something that we can explore. Um, it just has to be done in a in a certain way because we've got quite a, a wide age group. So I think you know uh, the way that this story's played out, probably for nine to twelves and above, I think has been perfect. So you know, depending on how someone kind of wrote a story and the type of character that that they highlighted, um, I think anything's possible. I mean, our our central messages are about tolerance and inclusion and that people should feel okay about being themselves. And I think you can get those messages across in many, many different ways, even as I say, for preschool age. So it would all depend on the type of character and, and how it was and how they were portrayed. But um, essentially, yes, absolutely. Good, well, seeing as you're talking, you can answer the next question as well then. Okay, um, go. Sean might have an opinion as well. How long has it taken to develop this idea? And were you nervous about it? Because I mean, the person here, I think this is Guy Lambert who's asked this question. He says he produced when Andrew Hayden Smith came out and people were very nervous that people would, that parents would complain. Like, we, we, were you sort of aware of that or did you just think, no, we're doing the right thing? I think um, I wasn't nervous, actually. I mean, that's partly to do with the team because, as I meant, again, as I mentioned, 
there've been quite a lot of tricky storylines, you know, both in Jamie Johnson and in, in other of our dra dramas. And, um, you know, Anita, Sean, everyone at Sean, they're very, very experienced. And I knew that they would handle it really well. Um, and similarly, the commissioning editor, Amy and her team, who would have discussed the storylines in great detail with Sean and Anita, um, you know, that's one part of it. And again, going back to Patrick, you know, Patrick's been such a key, key character in Jamie Johnson, and he's taken on so many different things. So I think right from the beginning, you know, I remember Anita and Amy telling me that Patrick was, you know, embraced this idea wholeheartedly because he felt it was so important. So genuinely, I think it's possible that with another team, there might have been a few more question marks. But um, generally, this team, I don't think we ever had any anxiety. And and again, just going back to, you know, Anita and Amy as well made sure that across the piece, just that contextualising of it in presentation where they spoke to the press presenters and uh, introducing it. Patrick appeared on press as well, you know, which would have given extra reassurance, you know, um, pushing to news round and also on social media, kind of, you know, making sure that there were links there to Childline for other, other kids who might be watching who were worried and going through similar experiences. So across the piece, everyone um, was so empathetic and so considerate about the fact that it might be a troublesome storyline and, and they did a lot of brilliant work to make sure that, that it was embedded in exactly the right way. Brilliant. Uh, sure, this one's for you. The, this person who's called Anonymous Attendee, which I don't think is their real name, says, how important is it for LGBTQ stories to have a happy ending? Oh, incredibly important, as you know, as far as I'm concerned, because, you know, in in the past, we've seen so many examples, you know, where there's a tragic ending. And, and to be honest, and that's because that's reflected reality, because it's always been in the past incredibly hard to be gay in this country. And, you know, for, you know, it was, it was only in the 1960s, it was illegal to be gay. You know, in the 80s, we had the whole AIDS epidemic and, you know, the Margaret Thatcher government brought in Clause 28, so you couldn't even discuss being gay in schools or anything. So it's only, you know, in the past 20 or so years, you know, we've been on this incredible journey, and we are in a position now where we can tell these very positive stories that hopefully do reflect real, you know, real people's lives. I think that's it, isn't it? I think when you grow up a gay teenager, there is a lot of feeling that you won't have all the things that like, that people is kind of laid out for other people. I know I grew up thinking, well, I'm not going to be able to get married. I'm not going to be able to have kids. Yeah. And you just think you're going to be really unhappy. So see, have, having hope is... I mean, for, me, yeah, for me, being able to tell, I mean, I talked at the beginning about, you know, getting bullied at school, and that made me so repressed about my own sexuality. You know, I was 21 before I came out. So, you know, that adolescence that most people have and young straight people have, I just didn't have that. It was completely stolen... Uh, from me so you know it just gives me so much hope that we're telling these stories in children's drama that young young people can be you know have the freedom to be confident to you know talk about the sexuality to be who themselves and we can you know only build on that and hope things get better yeah absolutely um right Laquan Patrick I'm being asked here by Christopher how have your peers responded to you playing this role? Because, I mean, obviously, Laquan, you mentioned discrimination in the industry, but I think you, meant, you probably meant something slightly different. Have, have other actors been really supportive of what you've done? Um, 
Well, like, people around me and, like, my friends and family and people who watch have really, really supported me and said that, oh, it helps. And, and I mean, it's nothing far from, like, myself. Elliot is just like myself. Like, I... So my friends, like, they've always been supportive, but I chose to wait until I left secondary school to tell them what my sexuality was because I just knew that in secondary schools, if you are different in any way, shape or form, whether that's sexuality, whether that's disability, you will be, you will just be brutalised for it. And it's just, it's such a horrible thing. So I already knew that I was going to wait until then. Um, but I was worried about my friends and what they'll think as well. But do you know what? When I told them, I've never seen such amazing support of people. And even doing this in the show right now, they've, they've literally bigged me up so much. They've said that the, the bravery that it takes to be able to, you know, be open about your own sexuality and then go do this as well and help other people once you've come off your journey is just amazing. And like, I just thank everyone around me, really. Great answer. Patrick, anything to add or, or is it an impossible act to follow? Uh, yeah, that, that, that uh, summed it up perfectly, to be fair. I think, yeah, you know, I, it's a different thing for me, obviously, this uh, this storyline. Um, but um, yeah, everybody around me has been been very supportive. I mean, there are people who I know, to be fair, uh, from school or, you know, who you'd see out who haven't, who haven't been, who have made comments and this kind of thing. And, but, you know, there's a reality, but, you know, it, it, for me, we had conversations about this. I was able to express... You know, try and talk to them and I think it's been all right to be fair. If that's someone else is asking both of you, but I mean either of you answer, when you're doing a storyline like this, which is a bit more sensitive, are you given any sort of help or training in terms of how to or, or warnings, I suppose, about how to deal with the response afterwards or social media? Um, because it's it's hard to know what, what things are going to be like, right? Yeah. Definitely. We've had like Zoom sessions with Anita and Joe and Sean and like BBC and everyone that everyone that's involved in making Jamie Johnson and particularly obviously this storyline. They've given us like guidelines. They even provided us with like a draft response to people who are giving us hate that we can just send off saying the BBC have said we like shouldn't respond to this. We've been we've been helped really well. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. I think definitely, I think that's spot on and that's been really useful. It's been quite interesting from my perspective because obviously I've been doing doing this for quite a while and I remember being like 12 and it was all sitting in a room and talking about social media before I'd ever been on the TV or anything and people saying, you know, oh, this is, this is you're going to have this kind of response, this kind of thing. And, and I remember it like being like mind-blowing, being like, what? But it's kind of become a part of reality, sort of how to respond to these things. I have quite a strict code of conduct with my social media, so I've just continued that through it, to be fair. And like Aquan said, the, the support that we've had has, has been fantastic. There's one question here that must have been asked more than anyone else, so we're going we're gonna to save that till the end. Um, so we're now going to go with a slight, we're going to go with a slightly tougher one instead. Like, it's a good, really good, serious question. Sean, you're probably, Anita, you're, both of you are probably best uh, place to answer this uh, someone said here a line that jumped out of me and I think this was in the scene with Dylan with his dad again was you're either gay or you're not many times that isn't the case shouldn't we also be telling young people that identities aren't binary I think with that line in particular though I, I mean you're right and truthfully from 
Dylan's dad's perspective. You know, he hasn't got this great understanding of the subject. And, and, and you know, and it's the kind of thing that he might say. And, of, you know, and of course, not everyone's just 100% gay, you know, you know, a lot of people are, a lot of people are, a lot of people in the middle. But in, in that scene, you know, Dylan is actually trying to tell his dad the truth and his dad's making it as difficult as possible for him, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I would rather focus on the positive message and the scenes that, you know, we have between uh, Dylan and Elliot, you know, where there was so much positive uh, materials uh, spoken about, <laughs> rather than focusing on Dylan's dad, who, who at this stage is actually homophobic and a bit ignorant and a bigot, really. Thanks, sir. That's that's great. Um, I, this one's this question's from Rianne, and she's she's a teacher, and she says that if she teaches things about homophobia, like racism, transgender issues, that she often gets parents saying that they're try she's trying to make them that way. I mean, we hear this quite a lot, right? Um, if you tell people about transgender people, then you're going to make them transgender. It's something that... Yeah. Well, I, and, and she's asking, have you had any of that? Like, or, or, or generally, have people been a lot lovelier? If, if, um, if I could just say from my perspective on that again, you know, and again, talking about what I was saying earlier, you know, from being born to, you know, 12, 13, I didn't see any gay representation on TV. I didn't know what gay people were. I wasn't told anything. I still became gay. You know, so if you go on that logic, I should have been heterosexual because the only things on Coronation Street that I watched were gay relationships. You know, I should have been inspired by Brian and Gail Tilsley or whatever, but I wasn't, you know, I still became gay. And, and of course you have to... You just have to be very careful when you're having these debates, don't you, you know, and uh, just have an open mind. But at the end of the day, on the whole, you know, you know instinctively what you are from a young age. Yeah, I mean, it begs the question that if I watch enough Game of Thrones, will I become some sort of weird person from many centuries ago and uh, run around with a spear in my hand? I'm not sure it's, uh, it's how it works, right? Um, this question is for Cheryl. Um, it's from Miriam, and she and she says in children's media it can be hard to get certain things to air. And were there ever times with this storyline where you had to tweak it or limit it in order for it to sort of get to that stage, or were you allowed to be fairly free with it? Um, I think thanks for your question, Miriam. Um, I think probably that goes back a bit to the the one we answered earlier, which was um, you know uh, I think that the the team, so Anita and Sean and, and Amy and the, the drama team would have spent a long, long time looking at exactly the right way to get this story across, especially in an age-appropriate way, because on CBBC, obviously, as I say, we're six to 12, so we need to make sure it was age-appropriate. Um, but if I'm honest, I, I genuinely, there are, some, there are some things that I get very exercised about, and um, along with Catherine McAllister, who I think, Patrick and Laquan were mentioning there, who's our, uh, looks after our um, kind of editorial standards and our, and our child protection. So she's very fierce and talks to everyone about what they should and shouldn't do on social media. Um, and, you know, we would talk to her if we were seriously worried, um, you know, about a storyline. But with this one, because it's, it's series five, 
really, really sensitively written, coming from Sean's personal experience, as I say, a very, very talented specialist team. I generally didn't ever have any concerns about it. Can I just jump in as well? Because I think that it's important that people kind of understand that how, as the producer coming to the BBC with the story, it wasn't something that we thought, oh, we're not going to be able to do that. We knew that the team would... Um, be very willing to talk to us and 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 they did and we had a kind of very in-depth discussion about everything they were as Cheryl said all the way along the line incredibly supportive of uh, of making sure that the, 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 the age appropriate and, and the clarity was there but that the truth was there so I, I think that all credit to the BBC if there's a perception that there's something that you can't do there that's not the case you know there's always a conversation to be had there and and they've been enormously supported from right from the start hugo young young footballers ones who are in academies right who are coming through as teenagers do they get quite a good education in sort of being open-minded because i mean i can never remember how much they're at school and how much they're not at school um how do how do sort of young sports people get taught to be open-minded I don't think we teach them how to be open-minded. I think we teach them a variety of life skills which lead to them being open-minded or, or that's the idea anyway. Um, again, with, with the football being a diverse place, they, they're meeting people that normally they probably wouldn't have met through their normal lives. And I think that's a really positive experience. But we also make sure that everything we're doing is appropriate um, and, and talk about the, the social media um, guidelines that, that the actors go through, we go through the same thing, in, not only in terms of, of what they put out, but also in stuff they receive. Um, and we've had a number of issues with, with, with various comments getting to our players and, and having to deal with that. So um, I, I think you, you can't maybe teach, or you, you can teach open-mindedness, but that's not really our, our goal. Our, our goal is to make well-rounded people who are also excellent footballers. Um, and then I think that comes from it. But we don't have... We haven't seen issues at any of the clubs I've worked with where players aren't accepting each other or they aren't they aren't have, you know having problems with each other. It, it tends to be that you know that they compete on a positional level, whether it's you know two goalkeepers competing for one position, but it isn't really a, in terms of personality. You know the major clashes, other than sort of standard things that happen at younger ages. Right. I reckon apart from the one person who, who's asking whether they can play Fortnite with Patrick, we've probably got to, we've probably got time for two more questions. Um, Laquan, Patrick, what have you learned from filming these scenes? I think I think a lot. As, as an actor as well, I, I was really these are the scenes I was looking forward to the most. You know, that when, when you when you get your scripts, you know, the, especially the ones obviously we rehearsed a lot, me and Laquan, but I think yeah, I've learned a lot as an actor. Um, probably I wouldn't be able to express it very well because I think it's a kind of an organic process looking at the material and, and trying to embed yourself into that. But um, I think as a person as well, I, I like to think of, I've always been quite open-minded and this is a continuation of it. So um, yeah, I think, I, think, I think you learn a lot from this kind of thing, especially as a young actor. Laquan, over to you. Um, I just think... It's, it's it shows a way of how somebody can cope with coming out and you know how they deal with telling people and stuff and um I've, what what I've learned from actually filming this and getting it out there to people is that 
you know, it doesn't have to be someone on the screen. You can be the person in real life to support your friend if you just, you know, all it takes is you to ask them if they're okay. And then they might all of a sudden just tell you that or anything. If you just support the people around you, then, you know, it's just something to help them that little bit more to, you know, be in themselves. But, hmm, yeah. Okay. So the last question of the night, the question that everyone's asking in this Q&A and the one which we have to answer without getting in too much trouble, is Elliot coming back? Who's, ans who's, who's answering that question? Uh, I guess that's me, is it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're hopeful. Um, things are uh, in the process at the moment. Um, things aren't completely finished yet, but we, you know, we're hopeful that we can find a way of, uh, of continuing it somehow. See, Laquan, you're in, you're in luck there. See, it's, it's, it's a night to celebrate. Or maybe I'm, I'm asking, so happy. You might not want to. I, to say, oh, I would, I would. <laughs> there, there you go. It's a, it's, a, it's a job acceptance live on air. Um, excellent. Look, thank you so much, all of you, um, for your time, your questions, your excellent answers. Um, I've certainly enjoyed it. I hope you have as well. Um, look, there's a lot of people struggling out there um, as well. Please. If you know them, you know, I recommend Childline, I recommend Stonewall, or if you just want to give those charities your support, like absolutely huge, doing so much work to help people um, in relation to, you know, storylines like this. And yeah, absolutely massive. Um, so yeah, thank you very much. I'm now going to hang up on you all and have a lovely, lovely evening. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for joining us and remember you can listen to previous BAFTA sessions and podcasts at guru.bafta.org.